Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestalProds.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm joined today we have Caveman. Hurt! Unfortunately, no rascal this week. Uh, he got bitten by some kind of Australian thing and is dying. You know how it goes. He'll be he'll be back by next week. Them Australians, they live in a dangerous world. Yeah. That's not a knife. This is a knife. I know why it's a deadly creature. <laughs> I pulled an alligator out of me pocket. <laughs> that was England. That was that was fucking Cockney. We are terrible at doing accents. You still there? Got quiet all of a sudden. Sorry, something came up. I I'm back. Alrighty. So, yeah, um, we're here to talk about movies and stuff. Okay, man, why don't you go first? Uh, well, the first thing I want to talk about is a movie called Moon, Guardian of the Moon. Now, my wife badgered me into watching this movie, and I am so grateful that she did. Okay. This was... It's beautiful. It follows a lot of the standard tropes that you'll fall into. But it is beautifully executed, and the story is actually interesting. Like, hands down, this story fascinated me. It is the story of a world in which the moon, sun and moon are man-made objects and are literally moved around the planet by its inhabitants. The guardian of the sun and the guardian of the moon. Huh. Yes. And our main character is Mune. He guards and the sun, right? No, he guards... Yes, he guards the sun. With, with a name like Mune, how could he not? <laughs> he guards the moon, and he was not the successor that was chosen by the previous guardian of the moon. The moon itself chose him by, by guiding the purest creature to him, no matter how badly he didn't want the job. As a matter of fact, like the first half of the movie-ish is like, I don't want this job. Seriously, I didn't ask for this job. Stop grieving me about having this job. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> and um, there's there's a villain who it's like the villain's a weird one. He's a big rock monster that lives under the ground, but there's a bunch of rock monsters that live on the surface. Oh. So, uh. And his goal is to recapture the sun because he used to be the guardian of the sun at one point. Okay. So his goal is to take it and put it out. And he accomplishes this goal using mind snakes. Mind snakes. Yeah, mind snakes. They literally are snakes that infest your mind with evil thoughts and slowly turn you evil. Oh, Thetans. This is a Scientology movie. Okay. Sure, it's a Scientology <laughs> movie. Yeah, you shampoo your hair, uh, then the mind snakes get in, and then all of a sudden that raises your Thetan count. Um, I but... read the book. I downloaded an illegal copy of the $170 Dianetics Guide. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> but the artwork is 
absolutely beautiful. Uh, every every aspect of this movie is beautiful. But the part I like the most is the immediate like embracing of the cliches that it does. Because it embraces them, says, "Yeah, these are these are things that are happening, but they aren't the focus of the movie." Mm-hmm. They like we've got big, strong jock guy who's the guardian of the sun, who's supposed to be the hero. He does stupid shit, winds up getting fucked because of his stupidity. <laughs> we've got so I suppose attractive female character that hangs out with the uh, with our male leads and is actually the intelligent one, if you ask me. <laughs> Like without her, they'd have been screwed because she's the only one who knows anything. It seems. Uh-huh. And then you've got Mune, who is the plucky young guy who doesn't have any physical strength but has a strong mind and a stronger will. Eh. Uh, sorry about it's, that for the folks at home. Um, apparently, an entire gang of motorcyclists just drove by my house at once. It's well animated, well executed, and I highly recommend. If you have Netflix, check it out. If you don't have Netflix, find a way to check it out. So, it's Mune, M U N E, Guardian of the Moon. So, question: Did you watch the French, the American, or the Canadian version? The I believe it was the American version, but it might have been the Canadian version. Was Christian was in Slater English. in it? I don't believe so. Then it might have been Canadian because, yeah, it, it's weird. Half the like. Like looking at this, there are five cast members. There are five characters in this movie who have different voice actors in the American and Canadian version. And it okay. is weird as hell because with the American version, you have Rob Lowe, Christian Slater, Patton Oswald, Ed Helms, and Jeff. Patton Dunham. Oswald was not in this movie. I would know Patton Oswald voice. He was not in this movie. But yeah, so you have those so five watched- guys. And then the Canadian side, you have people I have never heard of. This like I'm pretty sure this was the Canadian version. And oh my god, I love this movie. I cannot express how much I enjoy this movie. I'm not a big rewatch a movie guy, but don't tell my wife this, but I've rewatched this movie since because <laughs> I am planning to surprise her with a D&D game based on it. Ooh. Yeah, she 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 loves it when I can work in worlds. But anyway, this movie was the bomb. I loved it. I recommend it. If you're a big lore head, this movie has a bunch of lore that like it explains to you and that you have to figure out. If you're really into art, this is so artsy-fartsy. Even the part where they were like, oh, we don't have the budget to do this. They found a way to make it interesting with a reduced budget. Because oh there's God. one segment. This... they have It's CGI throughout the entire movie. And then there's one segment where it's animated. And in my mind, I was like, well, they spent all the money on the rest of the movie. <laughs> okay, so here's something I just here's something I just I just learned. Uh, so um, there's a character in the movie named Lee Yoon. Apparently, uh, I don't really remember most of the characters' names. Uh, in the American version, he's voiced by Christian Slater, but in the Canadian version, he's voiced by a guy named Michael Dobson, who's a voice actor who's been in a bunch of stuff, but also played Leonardo in that live action Ninja Turtles TV show with Venus De Milo. Oh, <laughs> bad connections. These are the connections I find. Yeah, I'm mainly just I'm mainly just reading up on all these fucking dudes' things, trying to find the most embarrassing thing I can. But yeah, you can continue. Well, well, 
I really don't have much more that I can say about this movie without spoiling it. And while it does fall into a bit of the, uh, some of the cliche territories, which I get kind of irritated when it, when I see those. Yeah, it's French. Yeah, but like, it's worth watching and I re- I want you to watch it, Dead Man. Oh yeah, no, he's evil. Lee Yoon is the evil asshole. Okay. Like, literally, I saw him and I was like, that's the bad guy. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, you're the bad guy's sidekick. You're sidekick bad guy. <laughs> um, Oh, Ed, the double D Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie's also in this. Oh, cool. But I want you to watch it. And then, like, next time we do a movie, I want you to be like, damn it, caveman. Why'd you make me enjoy something? What the shit? That's what, what I want. The... Because I love this movie. Holy fuck. This. So Samuel Vincent, uh, he does the voice of Mox in the Canadian version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he voiced Double D in Ed. Oh Eddie. no, wait! I think I think I did watch the American version because I think I do remember Patton Oswalt's voice. He's just not a major character; he's a minor character. Okay, well, in the so in the uh, Canadian version, um, the character is voiced by the character's voiced by Samuel Vincent, who was Double D in Ed, Ed and Eddie. He was Crypto on Crypto the Superdog. Don't make me sing that. Sing the theme song. He was, he was, he was Bugs Bunny, Tweety, and Daffy Duck in Baby Looney Tunes, and he was the singing voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in Sonic Underground. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, the singing voice? Yeah. Apparently, Sonic <laughs> had a singing voice, a separate voice actor for singing. Oh, that's not uncommon in that time. But he was also he was also the voice of Martin Mystery and Billy the Alien in Martin Mystery. Hmm. Jesus Christ. That's really interesting to me. Remember fucking Martin Mystery? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, Martin Mystery is fucking weird as hell. It's it's a show about a about like a fucking. Supernatural obsessed um, fucking high school student, his stepsister, and a caveman who work for a secret government organization that tracks down and deals with supernatural and extraterrestrial threats to Earth. So, like the Secret Saturdays, kind of. But here's the here's the like fucking weirdest part of it. So, so you got Martin, Diana, and Java. Java is the caveman. He works as a janitor at their high school in Quebec. Ook, ook. See, that's why I don't know. It's a Canadian show. Yeah. Uh, but, so, but so they always go on these things. They are best friends with an alien. And whenever they whenever they go on adventures, the first Diana shows up and goes, there's no such thing as monsters, you fucking dumbass. Oh, so she's Velma from the Scooby-Doo movies. No, even worse. Because Velma will see that shit and like recognize, oh, okay, this is a threat. I need to run now and, and like stuff. And we'll actually say, and we'll actually like recognize supernatural stuff for supernatural stuff. With, with fucking this lady, every single time they fucking, they walk through a teleportation field in a soda machine, go into their fucking awesome big underground fucking slapdick goddamn secret government headquarters where a small green alien looking like the great kazoo flies up and says, yo, what's up, bros? And then she leaves with her caveman friend to go fight monsters and does not believe in monsters. Wow. Okay. That, that's seriously like playing a cleric in D and D that is an atheist. (laughs) 
I've had I've seen it. I've seen people try and like justify it. And I'm just like, no. You you hear the voice of a god in your head. There's a comic book that has that that one of the characters is that. Yeah, Rat Queens. Oh god. Yeah, the cleric does not believe in her god, even though she knows physically that her god is a physical real being. But I I, I gotta move on because uh like like I like I probably sound I'm zipping through things today because I've got I'm high energy, not low energy. Yeah, we also have so a bit of a time constraint. The next thing I want to talk about is a show called Nailed It. Okay, it's is another it about baking carpentry? show. Nope, it's baking. It's it's based on the internet trend where people utterly ruin a dish and post a picture of it saying "Nailed it" because they failed it. Fucking... I don't really enjoy this show. Well, yeah, it's based on a meme. Well, actually, that's not the part I don't like. The part I don't like is the comedian they got to be funny is more annoying. Well, that's always the fucking case. Like, nobody's going to, like, no good comedian is going to join. Mel and Sue. Mel and Sue and the Great British Bake Off are funny and entertaining. They are not annoying. Are they they stand-up comedians? I'm not sure if they're stand-up comedians, but they are pitched as comedians. So Then I'm going to assume it's writing. Because with like the Great British Bake Off, I think that is more of a reality show, so it's more just kind of them <laughs> being themselves. But the the idea behind Nailed It is they get incompetent bakers, people who don't like you should not put them in a kitchen. Um, give, give them, them a, a packet of Fritos. Yeah, give them a thing that w- like you, you'd see pictures of it on the internet and say make it. And then they utterly ruin the dish. Like, like literally, like, I have seen things on that show that should not be eaten. <laughs> and then the people who fail the least go, like, like, the person who fails the least gets a special prize, which, like, really, it's just a, I get to be even more annoying. And the person who failed the most gets a special prize. Because they suck the hardest, so they want to balance out the suckage. Mm. Which I have an inherent dislike to. Like, just kick the guy who does the worst out of the competition. Don't give them an, give them an unfair advantage. And then these people don't use their advantages! <laughs> like, so far I've seen three advantages. One, a freeze button. Where you can literally pause your opponents in time. You want to know how I'd fucking use that? Mm. Oh, you're about to pull something out of the oven? No. Yeah, just fuck you. Let it, let it overcook. <laughs> just fuck you. You're you're done. You, they've got a annoy button where you, you where the annoying comedian comes out and annoys everybody. Mm-hmm. Woo. Which is kind of the most useless one. And then there's an advice button, which is the most useful that they never use. <laughs> It'd be like. Uh, yeah, um, I don't really have anything to ask. I just wanted to push the button. Motherfucker, use the advice. Hey, man, you have, you have a professional who knows how to make the thing. Ask them how to roll fondant. Ask them how to fucking decorate. Ask them anything. Ask them if they're single. They hit, they hit the button to come out. It's like, hey, man, where's the bathroom? Well, no, the worst one is when they don't hit the button at all. 
<laughs> because sometimes I, the guy will at least come into the area and demonstrate. But if they don't even hit the button, the guy can't do anything. Well, I, I feel like for that, I feel like for that guy, it's probably like a fucking shit scenario either way. Because like on the first, on the one hand, you have to watch these people fuck up making food. But on the like, but on the other hand, you have to go in there and see what they did wrong. Uh, it's it's so infuriating watching this show. But we were out of baking shows, so we had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a lie. Uh, oh, fuck. After over, that, con- glass. Continuing, Sorry about the, that. continuing the trend of weird shit that I watch, uh, I watched the first season of The Toys That Made Us. The fuck is that? Which is, it's a documentary series about individual toys and how they developed over time and how what, the, what effect they had on our society as a whole. Huh. Which... That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's really good. I was interested in Barbie, not buying, but watching. No, yeah, Barbie isn't. Barbie's in. Barbie is a weirdly, like, prevalent toy. Kind of whenever. It was fascinating to watch, and I, I met like I watch TV in in ch- in chunks. So like, but normally I'll be like, oh, that documentary was interesting. Let me change it after the first episode because I don't really care. And like this isn't the like the, I have two documentary series kind of that I that are on my list today that I want to talk about that I did this for both, but like the toys that made us is fascinating. They talked about Star Wars toys. They talked about Barbie. I think they did it a bit on Lego. Oh yeah, I really enjoy this, and I'm gonna go back and watch the next season. I'm probably gonna finish the whole thing. And let me know if they have an ep- let me know if they have an episode on Kinects. <laughs> oh man. I'm, I'm wondering if they have an episode on Transformers. Oh, um, they have to, dude. The next, the next series that I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm again, I'm going fast. These don't really have characters or actors. Um, but the next series I watched is actually one that I watched because I watched a show called Hollywood Weapons. Have I talked about Hollywood Weapons yet? Probably not. It's like Mythbusters Light. So it's about them. It start- so it's about them. Uh, fuck, what's the word I'm thinking of? Dis something 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 dis something. They're dis they're disproving Hollywood myths around weapons. Okay, it's uh it's hosted by a guy by the name of Terry Shepard, a uh, former soldier. Salute, um, who's just really into movies and TV, according to the intro. So he'll go on and on about some of his favorite movies, and then there's this we- one scene that I don't really like, and then he'll go to the guy who works for a gun shop that supplies all of the gun props for, like, most of movies and TV. Uh And then they'll set up a test where they'll, like, the very first episode they were testing Criminal Minds and if you could really shoot through glass underwater. And they found (laughs) that you couldn't. So, well, I I have problems with some of their tests, but I'm not going to get into that. It's... It's fun. He's a fun, like, his energy, like, when I watched the first episode, I was like, oh, this guy sucks. Better watch it, because there's no Mythbusters anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, I watched the entire first season, and then the second season came on, and I watched that. <laughs> that actually... So this is going to sound really weird. Did you ever see the John Oliver bit about NRA TV? Yeah. That sounds kind of like a show on NRA TV, but in the well, exact on, opposite direction. It's on the Outdoor Channel, first off. 
I, I know. Uh, I'm, well, not, I'm not saying it was on NRA TV. I'm just saying. No, like, no, but I, I'm I'm saying like, and they're not like sitting there like guns. They're sitting there like, yep. and these are these are the issues behind the science. Uh, I'm not really good at the science part, so we're gonna call this knucklehead sciences. Like this is just me sussing things out and figuring like this is what probably would happen, and then we're actually gonna go test it to see if my knucklehead science pans out. Okay. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a great fun show. But that led me to ancient weapon. Well, ancient uh, top ten because he's one of the experts that they call on that show. And in an ancient top ten, they they have a, they have a concept like top ten fortresses, top ten boats, top ten weapons, and so they it's go through the history. mojo of history. I guess yeah. And but then they go throughout history and they select their their competitors they and it's a it's a great resource for i want to learn quick and dirty about these different things so say you've got a book report due on the history of siege engines yeah go watch ancient top 10 siege engines boom <laughs> they wrote your history report for you and it's 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 a good it's a good bit of fun um but there's not really much that i can talk about of it the final thing that I can talk about is the final, se- the most recent season of Death in Paradise, at least the most recent season that I can watch. Yeah, okay. Uh, in this one, we continue following Detective Jack Mooney, our third detective. Seriously, I'm starting to get like, starting to get to wonder how long we're going to have an individual detective at this point. Um, but we're following him as he continues his efforts. He, it and again, this is one of those moments where I'm like, I'm focused more on the characters than I am on the actual show itself, because we lo- we look at him as he deals with the fact that he's gonna have to say goodbye to his daughter because his daughter has to go back to college, and he's never been alone before. So this is the first time he's really been alone in a long time. We look at the development of one of my personal favorite characters from the series. Uh, Officer Dwayne Myers, as he starts to develop his first healthy relationship, he's not like he. It's like we actually see him start considering settling down with a woman. We see the development of their relationships, and we get something that's actually very pertinent to me. Mm-hmm. And this is probably pertinent to anyone else whose father walked out on them. And that is quite simply Dwayne's father, who walked out on his family, comes back to try and make amends. And I'm gonna, I'm saying this to any deadbeat dad who left out there. That is probably the most important thing you can do, but it's also going to be the hardest. Because the longer you've been gone, the more that hate has festered. The angrier those kids are going to be. And Dwayne's dad left like 35 years ago. <laughs> So, yeah, like, there's an entire episode where it's just like, oh, I hate this asshole. Hate him. Maybe we should try and forgive him. He seems to be trying. Hate him. (laughs) Which is absolutely great. Like, it it means a lot to me. Because I'm like, I'd I'd have done the same. I'd probably tipped his boat. I'd have made him swim. Fuck him. (laughs) I would have probably, I was sitting there the entire time, like, I'd have done the same thing. Man, there's a lot of dead air in my timeline because I have nothing to say about any of this. Yeah, I know. 
But now we now that's all I really have to talk about, so we can move on to your side, and I can give you the dead air. Yay! We're good at podcasting. So anyway, psych the movie. What? Psych the movie. Oh, psych the movie. Yeah. Okay. What do you think I, I like, said? Steg the movie? Sick the movie? No, psych. Yeah, the I movie. understood. The, I understood finally. Yeah. So uh, this was a big thing. Um, it came out Christmas last year, I believe. Um, I was really excited when they when they announced this. Uh, like they showed that trailer of um, James Roday and Dulé Hill, like quote unquote, getting back into psych shape. And it was fucking great. They had not missed a beat. Both of them were still fucking great together. They had great chemistry together. The jokes still all fucking worked. And then the movie came out, and I didn't watch it. Didn't really have a real reason why. I just kind of didn't. Yeah, I've never actually gotten a chance to see that movie. I think I have access to it. But I never got around to seeing it. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. I was super hyped. I was super hyped for oh, that hell movie. yeah, because it was the fucking return of Psych, man. Like, they, they had that fucking series finale, and it was, like, this bittersweet thing where they were starting off on a new fucking leg of their adventure, but that was it. And then you get fucking word from Steve Franks, like, yo, we're getting Psych the movie. And guess what? I got five more planned. Oh, God. Yeah. like well, I'm, half, I'm half excited, half horrified. Well, I think it was four planned. I think... I'm not. I'm not sure if he had. I'm not sure if the, what he said was he had five more planned or he planned for five movies total. But either way, then this movie came out, and I didn't see it. And then finally, after a while, I decided uh, to sit down and watch it, and it was fine. Like it was like a all right episode of the show a feature length all right episode of the show yeah that's okay i guess like it's it, it is a bit disappointing because it's there was that much anticipation there was that much fucking oomph behind it but then I actually watch it and yeah the jokes landed the character interactions were all fucking great the chemistry was still 100 percent there between everybody uh, yeah, it didn't have Timothy Amundsen, but he had a stroke at the time, so what are you going to do? And, yeah, and with the, with the actual mystery itself, there wasn't really, it didn't feel like a real big psych case, I guess. You'd think they'd get like they'd have like okay we're gonna pull out all the locked room mysteries, the guy who secretly. You think they'd pull out some Danganronpa like fourth or fifth case level shit? Yeah, you'd think, but no, it is. Well, 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 one of the problems with it is that like when you get to the end of it, it it's just kind of a flat reveal because I forgot this character existed. And we'll get I'll, I'll get into spoilers. Just fuck it. Um, you remember. Remember the end of the yin-yang stuff? No. Okay, fair. So, <laughs> so by the end, so in the show, uh, there was a serial killer named Mr. Yang. He would, he would like kidnap people, leave kind of like anytime any, anytime any cop on the force would be like, hey, you're a fucking challenge. Uh, then they would set about killing people. And 
set up these elaborate fucking games and clues and shit. And that eventually led to that person challenging Sean and Sean beat her. Uh, turns out it was um, Ali Sheedy from the Breakfast Club. Okay. So fast forward. A yeah, bit. I think I stopped watching at that point. Yeah. So fast forward a bit to the end of the thing, end of the things, and we learned that Mister Yang's dad is also a serial killer and is also RoboCop. What? Yeah, Peter Weller is her dad, and Peter Weller is also a serial killer, named Mister Yin. Okay. And you get to the end of it, and it's like, hey, I kidnapped this girl. All this is going to happen. We got to fucking do this, this, and that. And then it turns out that the girl that was uh, that was being portrayed as the victim was actually his new apprentice, his, the new Mr. Yang. Ah, so kind of like a Gormagon situation. Yeah. Um, so For those of you who don't know Gormagon, watch like the first half of Bones and then stop. No, not even the first half. The first fourth. Because there are 12 seasons. Oh, that's like the first third. Just don't go beyond season four. Yeah. Stop when the full trick with Gormagon is revealed. Yeah. So but yeah, so in that thing, uh, Juliet stopped the new apprentice and everything. They got missed. They got they arrested Peter Weller and then everything was fucking hunky dory. Get to the end of this, and it turns out that the entire thing was a plot by that apprentice to get back at Juliet. Oh, God. Yeah, the entire time it was, uh, like, Zachary Levi was in there as the bad guy. Uh, He was doing his, finger quotes, best British accent. And for some reason was called the Thin White Duke. That sounds like a porn move. I'm pretty sure it's an, I'm pretty sure it's another name for David Bowie. Which sure. But yeah, so he is rolling around with a dapper black ninja and the daughter of Ric Flair. Um pause. Yep. Did you say dapper black ninja? Yes. This is the world in which I live. Yeah, he's yeah, he's rolling around with a black man who dresses like very Fancily, and then pulls out a sword cane and is doing all these fucking flip tricks and shit. This is the world I live in. They beat him with the table. You know where Gus gets on his knees and Sean pushes him? Oh, good lord. Yeah. You don't get to make a character a ninja and then have them beat like that. You have Juliet shoot them in the face. Well, Juliet was already off battling her nemesis, so you couldn't really do that. And Lasseter wasn't there because he, again, health concerns. God bless. Yeah. From what, I, from what I've seen, he's doing fine now, which is good. He got his beard back. His giant fucking Santa beard. Timothy Amundsen's great. But yeah. Uh, I love any celebrity who hasn't done something horrible enough to make me despise them yet. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, everyone on Psych has been pretty alright. Like, yeah, Corbin Burnson did direct a Christian Mingle movie called ChristianMingle.com. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, him and Kevin Sorbo got weirdly religious. God's not dead. Again. <laughs> He's actually not in the sequel. He dies in the first one. God's not dead. 
like the resurrection. <laughs> no, 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 no. There will be a God's Not Dead: The Resurrection, where Kevin Sorbo is brought back specifically to tell people God's not dead. Yeah, he's brought back as Jesus. <laughs> like they recast. I, Kevin. I, just, I have to state this. Um, because I'm getting ready for a trip. Uh, my one of my friends is over. He's a Catholic, and he just he just had this dirtiest, eye rolliest look on his face when I said that. Has he seen God's Not Dead? I don't know. I, let me ask: Have you seen God's Not Dead? I know enough about it. To be <laughs> he knows enough about it to be ashamed. Outstanding. <laughs> yeah, that fucking movie. We need to rip into that at some point. I don't want to pay for that. Uh, Actually, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, fuck it. If not, you can just go over to Birdie's house. I don't know. Eh. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, another like, big problem I have with this thing is that Sean doesn't really do much. Dude. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Like, he has two real big, like, psych moments. One of them amounted to nothing. The other one amounted to him looking across the street. Oh, man, that was one of the best parts when they go all, like, fucking Sherlock Holmes and you start pulling random pieces together to, like, stitch together the whole mystery. I, I mean, honestly, it's one of my favorite things about the first episode is that he literally solves a case watching TV. No, that, that, was, that, was, the, that was the hook of the show. Yeah, and and, like, and like, like, even though in, the, in even though in the later episodes, like yeah, they did start giving more and more airtime to the other the other detectives because it couldn't just be here. Sean Spencer fucking suck his dick, everybody. He still did stuff. Whereas in this, he like he would occasionally do some things, but it was nothing of the level or of any real consequence because it all ends up being solved by Juliet. Like yeah, she's like yeah. Juliet's a good cop. You don't re- with somebody like Sean out there. You need to have Sean be a little bit better than everybody else, which then is kind of counteracted by the fact that he's a fucking idiot. Well, what you what you really need is a case that can't be solved by anything other than Sean. Yeah, and like like literally, it's like okay, he has a granule of glass in his boot that matches the. Uh, pane of window that was broken in and the only person who's going to be able to spot that is Sean and he gives that to Juliet and then she solves the rest of the case yeah, that's what hell, you need that is the goddamn that was the first Mr. Yang story the first Mr. Yang story was we need the first fucking Mr. Yang story was goddamn was goddamn I call out Sean Spencer by name and then he's the only one who could solve this case because he's the only one who can think laterally enough to not fucking just go after every goddamn clue like Lassiter does. One of the biggest things I t- tell my parties in D&D is you've got to think outside the box with me. Because I've spent so many years watching all of the different media that gives me all of these stupid, insane ideas. Like, right now, they're on their way to deal with a bandit camp that is going to be so well fortified that... Pretty much all of the tactics they've had before would not work even close to an iota. Ah. And I get the feeling that their first plan is going to be, let's sneak in. <laughs> because pe- normal people think laterally. 
You've got to have. You've got You need for a show like uh, a show like Psych Works because they need someone who thinks outside the box, who thinks around problems. Yeah. And like, like there was a there was an episode that I really loved that had that, that kind of like showed everyone else's strengths. It was the uh, there was an episode. I think it might have been after you stopped watching, uh, but. Shauna goes working on a case where an ice cream truck got flipped and the bottom got knocked out of it and it got set on fire and everything. And so they started like looking into so they started looking into stuff. I and, think I watched the first half of that episode. Yeah, and this the episode is kind of told out of order because it kind of gets to the middle of the episode where like the beginning of the episode is kind of the middle of the episode in terms of like actual timeline. Because it starts out with Sean texting everybody, telling them that he's been kidnapped and shot. I watched that episode. Yeah, and then the rest of the episode is Sean texting everybody else clues. You seeing you seeing Henry where he got it from, and then you see you see Gus, Juliet, and Lassiter working the case and figuring things out because a they know Sean and b Lassiter and Juliet are fucking cops. You know what my favorite thing about Sean and Henry's relationship? Huh? They must hate each other so much. <laughs> Because Sean just wants to be a wasteoid loser who doesn't actually have to do anything. And Henry wanted him to be a super cop. Well, no, it's, it's, and now, well, no, it's, it's not that Sean... What? It's not that Sean wanted to be a wasteoid loser. It's just... That was kind of his lot in life. Like, like he, even, he even says it. Like He goes into those jobs, works for six months, masters them, and there's nothing new for him to do there, so he just leaves. Jack of all trades. Yeah, but then with the but then with the psych stuff, new cases, new criminals, new puzzles, new shit every oh, week. Something new, yeah. Oh, also, funny thing. Uh, so when so they set up a new psych office in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set it up in Chinatown in a basement shop that they have specifically designed to look like the shop from Gremlins. Awesome. And it's called Psych Francisco. All one word. Okay. Case. I approve of this. Yeah, so you get through it all. Um, you get to the end. Uh, one of the one of the best things, the thing, the thing that I'm surprised that I like this much was that um, at the end of the series, they had left the blueberry behind and had gotten a new car, which was a student like a student car that had the extra steering wheel and brake on the on the passenger side. They kept that, like that. That's still the car that Gus and Sean drive around in. So, do they fight over like? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like, like, totally like strong, in, yeah. in the last episode, the last shot of the episode is the two of them fighting over who gets to steer after somebody steals uh after somebody steals uh, Sean's ring that he gives to Juliet to get married. And then actually, by the end, yeah. So getting into the getting into the movie, it's been a number of years. They still haven't gotten married because Sean's like, I need to find that ring. And then everybody's like, yeah, that's just kind of, that's just like, excuse, dude, you're fucking whatever, bitch. So then he ends up befriending a criminal who finds his ring and then is also an ordained minister. So he marries them right there after they arrested everybody. So it's a real mixed bag with this movie because it is not the greatest mystery, not the greatest resolution, not the greatest villain, but it's still psych, you know? It still feels like psych. It and if they had put a bit more time into the mystery, this could have been fucking great. 
It's just that one bit is kind of where everything falls apart, which is unfortunate. So you're saying Psych series. is like pizza. Even mediocre Psych is good Psych. I, I wouldn't say that because there was a because there was a season there where Sean got fat and everything got really bad for for a little while. <laughs> hey, fat guys can do stuff too. No, I know, but the being fat kind of marked the drop in quality. Mm. He was he wasn't fat because he was bad. He, it was bad and he was fat. But yeah, uh, they they the movie ended with a setup for the next movie where. Um, Juliet's brother, WWE superstar John Cena, uh, showed up. Da, gave, da, da, da. Yeah, she gave a wedding present, and then the San Francisco offices got shot up by Black Ops Squad, who was trying to kill John Cena. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so, and and Steve Franks and James Roday are currently scripting the second movie. So, I'll probably have watched the first one by the time they get out the second one. Outstanding. Yeah, moving on uh, from there, uh, I actually watched a documentary. <gasps> That's my territory. I know, but this but this is definitely not your territory because it was about porn. Ah, never mind. Yeah, it was called After Porn Ends. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, and it was a documentary about uh, just talking to five former porn stars, and as well as other as well as other people who are um, like journalists or former people in the porn industry who have written extensively about the porn industry and all the horrible shit deal they deal with. Yeah, my official title was cameraman, but I was really just a jizz shot. I was like, spared, uh, Yeah, I was there for the money shot. I was the only one who get I was the only one willing to get jism on myself. Yeah, it was I st- I still haven't I still don't feel clean. Um No, it actually no, it mainly it mainly just looks at like uh Primarily the act, the performers involved. It's got to think like five female and three male porn, three male performers. Yeah, I was a dick model. Um, my skin tone's pretty neutral, so whenever the guy didn't have a big enough penis for the close shots, they'd bring me in. I didn't actually get to have sex. I would just do like the insertion, and then I'd be pulled out. No, it was a lot of fun. No, it was. Oh, they were all fucking. I've seen some of those. Some of their movies, and yeah, it was it was lar- it was largely just um, yeah, it was like like I said, the five f- uh, former female porn stars, three former male porn stars, I believe, um, a professor at a university who talks about porn, um, a I believe a currently working porn star who is also a like lecturer about porn in the sex industry and stuff. And then two guys, uh, one of whom was a former director, and another guy who I think who is just Jewish. I, I I don't remember any I don't remember any of his credentials. I just remember he had a yarmulke on that was held in by hairpins, like those butterfly clips without the butterfly on them. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And yeah, they would just talk about they would just talk about uh, the, like the, like they would talk about their time in porn, and they would talk about like like one one of them. One of the things that one of the interesting things that I actually learned from that is that this one porn star, um, I, Asia Carrera, when she wasn't actually like on set, when she wasn't when she was like on set but not actually filming, she would go around to every like every like crew and ask them to teach her how to do the job they're doing. Huh? Yes, yeah, so there are so like bits on set of her topless fixing lights or like setting up cameras and shots and stuff. That's impressive. 
Also, a lot of them started to get a lot of them went into real estate. That doesn't surprise me. Real estate's a very reliable industry to get into. Yeah, like a good chunk of them when they like after they talked about, hey, I left the I left the porn industry. They say, yeah, I went and got like I went and got my like real estate license, and now I just like show homes, or or they are currently in the middle of getting their real estate license. Yeah, no, again, like people are always looking for new houses, so yeah. it's like while it's not going to always make you bank. It's not always a guaranteed. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get rich from selling houses. It's a pretty it's reliable income. business. It's a pretty reliable business to get into. Yeah, one of them became a bounty hunter. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, just former porn star. And then the first time we see her, she just fucking at a targeting range, just practicing. Wait, didn't I watch you get fucked by seven black men? It was eight. Now bend over. Yeah. Get the ground, asshole! Three. Now. <laughs> And no, I, I'm doing a full a full cavity search before I turn you in. And I think one guy, and I don't know what one guy did, but like when when we first introduced to him, he was putting a plaster dick back on a fake fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, but yeah, it's. I'm not 100 percent sure what their goal was with making this movie. Because yeah, it does have a bit of the, uh, it does have a bit of the like a uh, like hey, don't get into porn, kids. It'll fucking ruin your life. And it'll be with you forever. You'll never be able to get a job. Like fucking Asia Carrera, that one I talked about. She had she moved out to the desert, and is now working from home as a single mom. And people still recognize her as a porn star. And there was also the shit with drugs because that's the world. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least, or at least it was back in the day. I, I don't. I I feel like it, based on behind the scenes stuff I've seen, because I'm the kind of weirdo who watches behind the scenes on porn. That's our dead man. Yeah, it looks a bit more professional, and you know there's still be the partying, drinking, and stuff. But I've heard less and less about people like just ODing, which I guess is an improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't understand. Like, I, I can understand if they were like, hey, porn is bad. Don't get into porn. And this had the shades of that. But you talk to some of them and they were like, yeah, I mean, I did porn. Went, did it for a while. That's fine. But like, then I kind of got out. Then I kind of like outgrew it and just started doing whatever. You want to know the God's honest truth, dead man? Huh? The only reason I never got into porn was because of my soft, shitty body. Because it just it seems like it's like decent money for like you know cardio. Yeah, but you also got to be able to instantly get and maintain an erection in front of like twenty five people. That's not hard. <laughs> well, that's the problem. <laughs> I realized the joke after yeah, I said the it. The second you said it. <laughs> Oh man! But no, the reason I never got into porn is just everything. Just everything about me. Anyway, after that, I watched some shows. Just two shows. I started rewatching all of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, me too. Yeah. 
on the comics podcast this week, me and Birdie went on like a 30 minute rant just just trying to convince Nico to go watch Avatar Last Airbender. Just the second that we learned that Nico hadn't seen it yet, we were just like, dude. Does he like anime? Uh, he's he's getting into he's starting to get into it. Uh, he since talking to me and Birdie, he has started to get like a bit more interested in manga and anime and stuff. Uh, did you guys try the "It's American Anime" pitch? No, because I was able the... to convince one of my friends to watch Avatar after selling him on that. Was it Cora? No, I'm pretty sure Cora was watching uh, Avatar at the same time as the rest of us. Yeah, I've I've never I've never tried to sell to somebody as oh yeah it's like anime but America because I I think that's a stupid thing to sell it on. That was literally the first thing someone told me about it when it was like when it was airing. It was like, hey, have you seen Avatar? I was like, no, but well, you like anime, right? It's like American anime, and I was like, okay, is the story structure any good? Are the characters entertaining? Yeah, that's what I sell. I'm it on. assuming I sell it's it, well animated. I, I, I sell it on. It's a very well animated, very well written story with a lot of great characters and a really awesome message. Also, some of the greatest fucking fight scenes you'll ever see in American animation. Oh hell's yes! Yeah, it's just I. That's it. Just fucking watch Avatar, people. The show's gonna be like an hour long. Fuck. Sorry. And I, then, like when I when I talk about documentaries, I have nothing to talk about except this was an awesome documentary. And I didn't watch anything. Like I said, I've been reading. We've been doing other nerd activities like reading and playing video games or not sleeping. Yay. Anywho, I tried for the fourth time to get into Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, I have, like I said, I've, I've tried four different times to get into this fucking show. And this most recent time, I got the furthest in by, I think, reaching the middle of the third episode. Wow. And I don't know why. Like, I sincerely do not understand why I can't get into this fucking show. Because, for anybody out there, uh, like, folks who haven't heard me talk about stuff that's set in the past, I love the look of the past. Like the, like, fucking, the suits, the fucking Norman Rockwell-esque, all that other shit, the cars, the buildings, the you fucking city You love the city iconography. Yeah, I love, I love... I love the aesthetic of the past. The actual past is dog shit. Oh, I love the aesthetic of the, like, the flapper era. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, God. Oh, God. That is, like, that is when, like, you got the quintessential gangster image. Yeah. That is when you got the quintessential, like, rum runners you got. That's when the refined criminal was born. And it's the the aesthetic from then. Oh, multibimme. Yeah. But what was going on at that time? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. The more I th- the more I've been thinking about it, like since watching it, since trying to watch it again and think about my previous times, I think that's actually what drives me away from it. Like I, I remember playing Ellie Noir, and 
set around the same time with that same, all that shit. But because I was playing it, because I was actually doing stuff and solving fucking crimes and shit, everything else was just, everything else just kind of just faded away almost. It was window dressing. Yeah, but with this, I am passively experiencing the 1950s, which suck. For anyone except for white men in the upper middle class. Yep. So even back then, me, as a white man, it would still fucking suck. Because I'm broke as shit and my mind don't work right. I live in the South. I would have been lynched. Yeah, probably. Well, actually, you probably wouldn't exist. No, I would still exist. There were ton- there were ton- tons of mixed children back then, but if anybody found out, your parents were probably getting killed, and so were you. History! Yeah, history fucking sucks. Just... Like, shit sucks right now, but we're still living in one of the best times. Yeah, like, things are bad, but regular... <laughs> but, like... Like... If you look at very specific, if you look at some specific things, things things are fucking dog shit right now. But if you look at the grand scale of things, it's fine. Like yeah, we're fucking on teetering on the edge of fucking World War Three because two fucking people because the two people with large nuclear arsenals right now are fucking retarded. But I'm able to sit here and like make an income despite the fact that I can't work. I'm able to live. And I'm able to talk to friends that live tons of miles away. I don't want to try and guesstimate how far Dead Man lives from me. I can actually just tell you. Uh, I can hear you Googling. Yes. We literally have this, inf- we, we have this technology in front of us. I'm AFK. Just shy of 1,400 miles. There you go. We are one plane height away from each other. You know, where the planes try and fly. Yeah. yeah. And we're still fucking sitting here, talking, shitting on how the past was fucking garbage. <laughs> this is what I think of being hosed down at marches. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember when this show was, like, at its peak. And there were, like, people who were, like, into this show because they loved the idea of living in the 50s oh man fuck no like if i if i want to go back to any time as who i am literally it would be like ancient times it would have to be ancient times and i i'm talking about like 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 1000 like zero shit like that yeah (laughs) shit where i would be a god because i know about dental hygiene if I wanted to go into the past, I wouldn't go into the past. Yeah, because you die. <laughs> yeah, I either either through disease, starvation, or just killing myself. Like I go back there, I stare at a fucking stone wall for three days, standing up to my fucking ankles and shit, and then just slit my own throat. <laughs> Meanwhile, I would have created an ultra advanced civilization for the period. No, you wouldn't. They they look at you and go, witch, kill him. He's trying to kill yeah, us with his weird. He's trying to kill us with his weird demon magic. Look at his skin. Look at his pasty, pasty skin from not being forced to work outside all day. Murder him. 
Actually, they probably think I was a nobleman. He comes from the bowels of hell. No, seriously, they probably think I was a nobleman because the materials my clothes are made out of and the, the relative paleness of my skin. Well, also, if you try to talk to them, they won't understand you because you're going thousands of years into the past. Oh, yeah, no. Language barrier would be murder. It would get you murdered. Yeah, you're probably right there. But that is neither here nor there. The past sucks, people. Don't go into the it. The past is dog shit. Like, yeah, study it and learn from it. Don't try to recreate it. Oh, fuck. But yeah, I, that, that's all I got. I Like I said, I've been playing a lot of Shadow of War. They're not very good. Well, we'll get into that next week. From there, it's news. And so this has been like, uh, this is like a month out from this, but you st- I, we still need to talk about it because we would we would have talked about it on the show had we done one previously, but things got in the way. Life, it happens. Yeah. So and we're not professionals, no matter how hard we try. Yeah. So, James Gunn. This was a big fucking deal. So, James Gunn was fired by Disney after some old tweets of his resurfaced where he made jokes about rape and pedophilia. Uh, would I recognize James Gunn? He's the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, thank you. That's all I need. Like, I don't know people's names. I know what they've done. Yeah. So, James Gunn, I guess for Caveman, those who don't know, was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2, as well as a long-time director of indie schlock, like uh, Slither, Super. Uh, and he actually got to start out with trauma movies, like The Toxic Avenger and Tromeo and Juliet. He also wrote the Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so some tweets reserviced uh, from like 2008, 2009, uh, like basically a decade ago, that was him making jokes about like raping kids and stuff. Yeah, and this is why we need to make sure the children know that the internet is forever. Yeah, and and so these and so your these, employers will look at it. Well, I'll, I'll get to that. So this this all got brought up. Because um, Mark Mark Mike uh, who the fuck cares Mark Cernovich actually I just is it Mike or Mark fuck <laughs> you cares yeah so Mike Cernovich um, a cunt uh, he and other alt right people began dragging up these tweets from 2008 2009 and showing them to Disney in an attempt to get James Gunn fired. Well, it worked. Yes. Uh, they did this because because Gunn is an outspoken fucking critic of the president, much like anybody who doesn't follow him or is retarded. And yeah, so Walt Disney, um, Walt Disney Studios in a statement said, the offensive attitudes and statements uh, discovered on James' Twitter feed are indefensible and inconsistent with our studio values, and we have severed our business relationship with him. 
So here's the thing. This already happened. Like, I'm pretty sure when James Gunn, like, first got hired on for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, these tweets were brought up. And James Gunn apologized for them. Like, he, he has stated many times, like, he has stated many times that in his early days, he was trying to go for, like, that shock jock provocateur, um, provocateur fucking thing because, you know, he was with trauma. Mm-hmm. And that he is genuinely sorry and regretful that he ever made those tweets and those jokes. And that he has, like, developed as a person, so has all of his, so has his, like, body of work. And... Yeah, he, yeah. I don't remember any child rape jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy. So no, yeah, like like th- this has all been fucking out in the open. This has been revealed and vetted, and Disney presumably, when Guardians One came out, and this all came up, they were they were okay with it. Yeah, let me just see if I can find if you can verify your statements. Yeah, because I remember this has happened before. Uh. Cite your work, dead man. Cite your work. Yeah, I'm fucking trying, but have you have you you try fucking finding an article from 2010 when the goddamn when the goddamn fucking thing that happened in 2010 is the same that happened in 2018. Yeah, I know. I'm just messing with you. But yeah, I Yeah, I can't. I can't fucking find it. But I, I remember seeing articles about that shit where where that had happened. He had in 2010. He had pre. He had fucking those tweets had been resurfaced, and he was like, "Yeah, I am genuinely sorry about that." And I am reticent for my previous behavior. Yeah, and but so he got fired. And I want to. I, I would want to like kind of focus on the Mike Cernovich aspect of this thing because while he was not one, while he was not the one who like started this, he was. A big pusher behind it. He was also a big pusher behind Pizzagate, which is a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton and like the Democrats or whatever were running a child sex cult out of a pizza place. Oh Lord! And he pushed that super hard, which then led to a guy shooting up that pizza place. Uh... Yeah, and on the heels of that, on the heels of, like James Gunn being fired, um. A bunch of fucking people stood up in support of James Gunn, including Dave Batista, who plays Drax in the movie. Well, you don't fuck with Batista. Yeah, he 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 fucking came up and just said like, "Hey, I'll have more to say on this when I when I fucking collect my thoughts." But this was a bad move. James Gunn is fucking great. He has, yeah, in his exact words, James Gunn is one of the most loving, caring, good-natured people I have ever met. He's gentle and kind and cares deeply for people and animals. He's made mistakes. We all have. I'm not okay with what's happening to him. And going on to essentially say that, like, this is a cyber Nazi attack. This can't be allowed to happen. And then other people fucking got up with this. Um, Uwe Boll, Justin Roiland, um, Fidel. Wait, Uwe Boll? Yeah, Uwe Boll. The guy who threatens to punch his critics. Is, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Even like Bowl was one of the was one of the few people I was like, yeah, he'd probably agree with them. And even he's like, no. Yeah. 
wrong. This is the greatest. Yeah, according to Uwe, according to Uwe Boll's exact tweet, he says, "quote James Gunn shouldn't apologize, especially for some old tweets. We all did tweets or said things that were under the belt at one time or another. There is no innocent, no matter how much you pretend. Who gives a shit, right?" Well, I don't tweet, so I've never tweeted anything like that. Yeah, but then uh, on top of Uwe Boll, um, Justin Roiland, uh, creator of Rick and Morty, um, Fide Alvarez, who was directing the Girl in the Spider's Web and did the um, Evil Dead remake. Um, Lloyd Kauf- uh, pardon? I was like, ooh. Yeah. Um, Lloyd Kaufman, the director of Toxic Avenger and the man behind Troma. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Michael Rosenbaum, uh, who was Lex Luthor on Smallville and was the voice of the Flash in the Justice League cartoon. And Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, they all stepped up. Oh, and, and fucking, I forgot the big one. Selma Blair, uh, an actress. Uh, she was uh, the pirate kinetic in Hellboy. Yeah, all of oh. them, all of them stepped up and said, "Yo, this isn't cool." And then, and then, like, and the rest of the cast, uh, they had been very, they'd been very like under the table supporting him. They were just mm-hmm. saying, like, "Hey, I love all the Guardians family, family and stuff. We stand, whatever." Not, not exactly, not directly mentioning that they were against against James Gunn being fired. They were just kind of. Being like very in about it until a couple weeks after that, where they released an open letter signed by all of them saying, We stand with James Gunn. And I then, know a quick way they can get him back. Huh. Yeah, threaten to walk off. Batista did. There you go. Yeah, uh, he. Yeah, after, after a couple weeks of this happening, uh, yeah, Dave Bautista threatened to quit the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie if they if they didn't use the script James Gunn wrote. And this may have worked uh, because according to Deadline, um, some sources have told them that there were some back-channel conversations happening between Marvel and Disney to maybe try to bring Gunn back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, I am so surprised. Forgive the sarcasm in my voice. Yeah. Um, this wait. is this is totally the first time a major corporation is fucked up royally and then immediately started backpedaling. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, this... Yeah, fucking... But the question is, will James want to come back? I hope he does. Yeah, I do. Like In the... In the ideal world, this never would have happened. Mm-hmm. But if James Gunn does come back, what does that really mean for Disney or whatever? Like, like for for people who for like creators who work for Disney. Uh because this is kind of fucking huge. Like this this guy is the fucking one of the like biggest like auteur motherfuckers working for Disney right now. Like, like, I'm not like, exactly sure what it could mean for them. And and like he did two of their biggest movies. Like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Guardians of the Galaxy 1 Guardians of the Galaxy 2 are two of the bigger Marvel movies and for a lot I of have pe- stated I have stated before that I'm usually like I'll just quietly sit by and let people talk through a movie. I actively yelled at people on my second viewing of Guardians of the Galaxy because they were talking. Yeah, like so. like one like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 or 2 that is those those two movies are 
more often than not in like the fucking top five of people's favorite Marvel movies. Like at least one G-O-T-G-1 of them. One is quite possibly my second favorite Marvel movie, right after Black Panther. Yeah, the, these. Movies I know are- it's not because I'm black. Yeah, and one of the things that kind of helped them be what they are is James Gunn. Like James Gunn. These things are James Gunn's movies, and they are James Gunn's visions. Yeah, they have the other fucking shit in there that Disney says you have to put in there because of fucking their universe. Interconnected universe. But these are James Gunn fucking movies. Mm-hmm. And so, if Disney did say, "Hey, you want to come back?" I can I can see I can see kind of two things going with this. Like, a, he want to come back because it's his thing. But b, why would he come back when the company that is paying him shows no loyalty to him? Uh, there is the paycheck to be uh, taken into consideration. Yes, but with him the, being um, but with him being fired, dozens of studios come out of the woodwork saying, "Hey, James, want to work for us? We'll pay you money." Well, exactly. He'll be able to renegotiate for a higher paycheck, especially if a bunch of people who worked with him are like, "No, we have to have him back." Um, so he can renegotiate for a higher pay. Um, he'll be able. Hopefully, Disney's not stupid enough to try this bullshit again, so he'll be able to pull bigger and more showy stunts with Disney, you know, like put things in the movie that they wouldn't normally approve of, but Hey, it's James Gunn. We're going to let him get away with it. Shit like that. There is, there is an argument to be made for going back to the X after they fucked up. So long as they're genuinely apologetic because you can get shit out of them. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just with this whole move, I can't really see Disney pulling in a lot of like indie guys after this. Oh no, I highly doubt it. Like this is probably going to damage the uh, hiring scene for Disney for a little while. Yeah, because I do not understand the fucking logic behind a lot of Hollywood producers nowadays. Because the thing that seems to be now is if you are a, if you are a director. If you make one relatively well-received independent film, within three months, you'll be given a $250 million franchise. Dead man, we need to make an independent film. Do we know how to make any kind of film? You can edit, right? I have a camera and I know lighting techniques, script writing. I I think we could do it. Okay, do we have money? I think I think a shoestring budget is even more appreciated in the indie film industry. Like appreciated in concept, but in practice, we'll, we'll just need make to pay a black act- and white film. We'll need- just make a black and white film starring you and me. I can't and act. About- yeah, you don't details. <laughs> Got important details. Ah, details. We'll figure it out. Ah. <sighs> Keep it we'll make a, a film about a badgered worker and their belligerent boss who ha- who ends up traveling 1,400 miles just to force them into a recording session. Did you say a badger worker or a badgered worker? Badgered. So I was, was going to say, where are we going to get a badger? <laughs> I know a guy. Let alone, where are we going to get a trained badger? Okay, I don't know a guy for that. But I know a guy who can get me a badger. Yeah, like, we get a badger, that's one thing. Getting the badger to do what we want on film. We'll sedate it, put it in a suit, put it behind a chair, and then just film what it does. 
Yeah, I think I'm against that. <laughs> the suit or the sedation? All of it. <laughs> not a big fan of sedating badgers and not a big fan of suits. No, the badger gets the suit. You get to wear whatever you want. I'm not no, I didn't I didn't say that I was a big fan. I went I didn't I didn't say that I wasn't a big fan of wearing suits. I said I wasn't a big fan of suits. Like 2030, modern suits. 2032, Death Door Prods the movie. Look for it. Yeah, get ready to watch an actor in a fat suit masturbate for five hours and then record a podcast. <laughs> that is not a mental image I needed. That's the history of the company. <laughs> Just, it's gonna be it's gonna be footage of Fear Two multi. It's gonna be footage of Fear Two multiplayer, masturbation, and then a podcast. <laughs> You're getting us an X rating, Dad. Dude, have you fucking seen Shame? No. That movie is just fucking. That movie is just Michael Fassbender masturbating next to his sister. Ew. That only got an R rating. Maybe an 18A. I don't know. Anywho, moving along. So, we've talked multiple times about. The Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez comic series Lock and Key attempting to be adapted into a TV show or movie or something. They're still trying? They've apparently locked down a deal. Okay. Like an actual I'm deal, curious. not just a pilot order. So. Okay. They've closed a deal. So um, Carlton Coos, uh, who's been kind of like spearheading this production kind of thing, and Joe Hill, the original writer, have gotten a 10-episode series order at Netflix. This comes just fucking like, I think, five months after Hulu passed on the series after giving it a pilot order. Awesome. That means we don't have to worry about commercials. Nope. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Lock and Key is a series, like I said, written by Joe Hill, drawn by Gabriel Rodriguez, about the Lock family, who... Despite what the internet, despite what every fucking person on the internet goddamn writes in their goddamn articles, do not move to Maine, move to Massachusetts. <laughs> that man is still angry about this. Oh, I got it right. I just, he's, he's edited the Wikipedia article so many times. Yes. Yeah. This one got it right. They go to Massachusetts. Yes, yeah, so they move into their ancestral home in Massachusetts after their dad gets murdered um, and find the house is full of magical keys. When, you, when the keys are used in the right door, Magic shit happens, like your soul is forcefully separated from your body and you're a ghost, or you grow to giant size, or you change gender, or you can control shadows, or you can just go inside your mind and rip out representation, like physical representations of your psyche. Shit is wild. Or you wind up having sex with yourself. Uh, that one hasn't happened yet. Trust me, there's a room like that. Well, actually, if two people went inside, went went through the soul switching door, and then put, and then went, this, and then souls went back to their uh, went back to their separate, different bodies, then you could do that. Because yeah, if two people go through the soul door, they can go back into the other person's body. Hmm, that's a question I'm going to have to ask my wife. Yeah, that is a that is actually a plot point that happens in this, where um, the main antagonist. Uh, spends a sort of like the last couple volumes of the series in the body of a ten-year-old boy, and the ten-year-old boy uh, accidentally got murdered by his sister with a hockey skate. Oh yay! Yeah, the ten-year-old boy was in the body of the demon-possessed main antagonist, 
And then the sister is like, oh, you're a demon. Ice skate to your fucking eyes. But then I guess because he was in the wrong body, his soul just kind of got ejected and now just kind of wanders around waiting to get his body back. Uh Uh-oh. He eventually does. It's fine. That's good. Yeah, so... Um, back in, I think, 2010, um, Fox originally was going to be developing the series and put in a pilot order, and the pilot actually did get shot and everything, and they got, and they passed in the series. Uh, after that, um, yeah, after that, in 2014, um, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, uh, they began working with, uh, began working with Universal to produce a trilogy of films based on these things. Uh, but then in 2015, that ain't happening anymore. That got shut down. And then back in fucking March or April or whatever, uh, Hulu ordered a pilot for the series um, with with Carlton Cuse up there uh, producing all that shit. And it had gotten um, Andy Muschietti, the director of the new um, fucking It movie, he was on board to direct, and they had cast the, and they had cast a good chunk of the sh- series, and they passed on it. But now, but now um, Netflix has gotten a ten, has gotten a ten episode order with uh, Carlton Cuse and Hill involved with Muschietti on board as an executive producer. There will be a new director and a whole new cast, and I fucking want this to happen. I love Lock and Key. It is one of my favorite uh, comic series ever written. I want to see it happen. I want to see. I want to see this finally fucking come to fruition. See what I what I love the most is I still have yet to read the comics. So like I'm gonna watch it and probably end up really enjoying it. And Dead Man's gonna watch it and being and end up like being mildly annoyed at inconsistencies. And I'm just gonna be sitting there bemused while he gets angry at like like. They got the eye color wrong! Or something like that. Yeah, they probably will. (laughs) Anywho, moving right along. So. Power Rangers. 25th anniversary. It is coming. Later this month, actually. And And we have gotten a tease of some of the returning Rangers. Ooh. So, first up, the one that nobody's surprised by, Jason David Frank. <gasps> Seriously? I know. You'd think with his MMA career, he'd be too busy. I am so shocked. Yep. That he is coming back? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, he's coming back for those who... For the one person who doesn't know, who's never seen Power Rangers before, he played Tommy Oliver, who was the original Green Ranger, White Ranger, Red Zero Ranger, Red Turbo Ranger, and Black Dino Ranger. Yes. Like, for anyone who's like, wait, seriously? Yes. Yeah. Just yes. He has been, he has been in more seasons of Power Rangers than Zordon at this point. Yep. Then there is Catherine Sutherland, who played Cat Hillard, the... Second pink Mighty Morphin Ranger, the pink Zero Ranger, and the pink Turbo Ranger. And Jason Font, who played Wes Collins, the red Time Force Ranger. Time Force! Yep. 
yeah, so Tommy Cat and West, they'll be coming back. Um, an image has been released uh, showing them getting ready to morph. Tommy has, looks like the green dragon morpher, and the cat is going to be doing the turbo powers. Which, eh. I'm kind of iffy on him using the green dragon morpher. At least that's what it looks like. It looks like it has the, it looks like it has the dragon coin in it. I'm kind of iffy about that. I mean, it was arguably one of his more powerful forms, but his most powerful should have been Zeo. Though, like, according to one of the theorized lore-like lines, they just they broke down the Zeo powers into the Turbo powers. But who the fuck cares? I do. Who the fuck cares that it actually matters? Oh, <laughs> suck it. I'm just gonna go to my my corner. Anyway, um, have you been watching Ninja Steel? Uh, is it on Netflix yet? Never mind. That's my answer to that. Like, it, it might be for all I fucking know. Or, or fuck, you could have been watching it on television. I I'd have to like I've got this stupid ass antenna that I'd have to hook up and find somewhere to put, and just it's not worth the effort. Oh, muffin. It's 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 not it's not worth it. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so uh, more Rangers will be announced uh, as that gets closer to happening. Uh, the 20th anniversary special will be airing on Nickelodeon on August 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Which for you, Caveman, is 7. I finished the recording. It <laughs> <laughs> made me mad there. From there. Moving on. Uh, so it was announced. Not long ago, that Batwoman will be coming to the DC Arrowverse thing. Uh, and we now have that role cast. Uh, Ruby Rose is going to be playing Kate Kane, the cousin of Bruce Wayne and the Batwoman. Uh, for you, Caveman, have you seen John Wick 2? I haven't seen either of the John Wicks. Well, fuck. I know. Then you'll have no idea who she is. I am honestly surprised that, like, Birdie and Cora haven't wrestled me to the ground and made me watch them yet. Yeah, they fucking need to. But yeah, uh, so Ruby Rose, uh, for those that don't know, she was uh, the mute assassin in the mute bodyguard in John Wick 2. Uh, she also has a regular role in Orange is the New Black. And it's been some other stuff. Uh, she also started, I think, she started out as a VJ. Yeah, she'll be coming in as Batwoman. Uh, Batwoman, for those who don't know, she, like I said, she was Bruce Wayne's cousin, uh, former soldier, and gay. In the description about Batwoman, the first line describing her is an out lesbian. At least they got that right. But then they also describe her as a highly trained street fighter. Which... I mean, highly trained, yeah. She And technically, she did get into a street fight once when some dudes assaulted her in an alley. When she, after she got kicked out of the military and was really drunk. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, this, this, this is the second kind of big thing coming out of this because at Comic-Con, it was also announced that uh, there would be, that they had just cast their... Uh, they had just cast their first trans superhero. 
with a trans with a trans actress Nicole Maines going to be playing a Nia Nall, also known as Dreamer, a uh, member of the Legion of Superheroes. <gasps> what? Legion of Superheroes is one of my favorite superhero teams. Yeah, it's been in Supergirl for a while. Oh, well, well really okay, a uh, season. I really need to catch up. Yeah. Like, seriously, the Legion of Superheroes is one of my favorite superhero teams. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be catching up on Supercrawl now. Yeah, so that all happens. Uh, moving on. So, I did not know this, but apparently FX is developing a TV series based on Why the Last Man. Why? I mean, it was a solid comic, but... Because it was a solid comic. All right. That's the only reason you need anymore. No one is developing anything new, so it's just, hey, was that thing relatively well-received? Fucking print that shit. Series order, motherfuckers. Yeah. um, Diane Lane is in it, which is fucking weird as hell. She was Superman's mom in the Man of Steel movie. She's also a very well-known actress who's been in good things. I can't tell if you've gone quiet because of other things or because I've insulted you. I'm just... I'm processing things and my brain is slowing down for some reason. Outstanding. So yeah, uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, the book written by Brian K. Vaughn is about a world where a virus is released that kills every man. And it's not as awesome as you think. No, yeah, it kills every man except for two. Um, Yorick Brown, a magician and escape artist, and his monkey, Ampersand. Does that really count, though? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, because it kills every man, including okay, the, ma- so killing it... the males of other species. Okay. Yeah, so that's all happening. Um, so, apparently... Uh, in this show, the monkey will be mostly CG. Well, at least they aren't going to be abusing a real animal. It's television CG, though. Hey, and Death in Paradise made a really believable lizard. For the entirety of a series? For eight seasons. Because Ampersand is a, is a central character. And is arguably more important to the plot than Yorick. Okay. Harry wasn't more important than the detectives, but he was featured in most of the episodes. And the like we'd get several minutes of him on screen. So yeah, it's probably not gonna be anywhere near as good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's happening. No idea the fuck when, and I don't really the fuck care. One thing that I do kind of care about though is that Jordan Peele is rebooting the Twilight Zone. Ooh! Yeah. We just talked about how much I love the Twilight Zone the other day, and I actually like Jordan Peele's work, so... Yeah. So... This series is going to be on CBS All Access, the CBS online streaming platform. And yeah, I. This is happening. I don't know how to feel about it. 
Like, at all. I don't really know what to say. Because yeah, like, like CBS Neal- All Access immediately turns me off. Yeah. But all the rest of it I liked. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Anyway. Moving on. Round piece of news. The Oscars. Because people still care about those. Are really? making Are making some changes. Uh, first up, they are going to be changing the actual broadcast of the thing. So they're not going to be doing all the awards. They're just going to be doing some of them. And they will also be including a most popular award, I think. Yeah, just a, they're just going to be adding a category for the most popular film. Just because... Maybe because they're hoping people will start paying attention again. <laughs> they won't. Once people realize that the Oscars don't know dick, then it's fucking, who the fuck cares? It's the fucking Oscars, man. Oscars are a bunch of dog shit. They don't really matter because they don't actually, you know, represent the people's thoughts. At all. Yeah. Just remember, it's a weird situation. I think when video games have a more well-thought-out award ceremony and award structure than movies do. Because at the Game Awards, arguably they're about as important as the Oscars in terms, in terms of video game stuff because it's just, hey, we have a panel of fucking game journalists choosing the winners of these things. But at the same time, they actually like put in the effort to pair things up, like like put up a matchup that could actually be like reasonable. Yeah, like like fucking Mad Max Fury Road was nominated for film was nominated for like best film one year. A year it came out. Mm-hmm. It was never gonna win. It won all the technicals because of course it fucking did, but it was never gonna win best picture. But that's because, like, the fucking Academy is made up of a bunch of old racist assholes who fucking refuse to do anything unique and different. And there were movies out there, like, Mad Max Fury Road was one of the greatest action movies of that year. Arguably one of the best of the year. But you can't, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to just say is you need more categories. You need more refined categories that people actually care about. Like, like fucking putting best animated film in there is meaningless when you have Sean the Sheep going up against Animalisa. Wow. That, that, that's more than a little unbalanced there. Yeah. It's Sean the Sheep. Yeah, so fucking Sean the Sheep was a really good movie. Yeah. I mean. It didn't have a snowball's chance in hell. No. Like, fucking put, have, like, a fucking children's category or whatever. Or have, like, a fucking, like, different fucking brackets or something. Or maybe classify the different types of animation. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I'm willing to bet that there is, like, a studio that is still doing, like, hand-drawn style animation. 
It's like we're never going to get anywhere because the Oscars won't even acknowledge us because we like do 15 minute shorts. Well, they well they do actually they do do that. Um, Kobe Bryant won an Oscar last year. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, Kobe Bryant. Uh, he, I think he did an animated film about himself. This is the world I live in. Yeah, like they do have they do have best animated short as a category, which okay, fuck. Yeah, me. but that would still go to like. Something that was done by computers because it's going to look more refined. Whereas a hand-drawn one, that's a fucking ass-load more effort. Yeah, and the Deer Basketball was hand-drawn, and it won the Oscar. Oh, okay, then. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck you're coming from. Like, Yeah, I genuinely don't know where you're coming from with that. I feel like, th- like certain styles of animation are going to get overlooked. In favor of others because they're like because you can get something different that is more immediately visually appealing. Yeah, to the fucking shitbag audience, but to people who actually give a fuck about movies, they like traditional animation. Fair enough. Hell, when hell when the Academy was thirty seven, they had just the, fucking Disney had just released fucking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That was a big fucking deal for their middle age. Fair enough. The Academy are old as fuck. I don't like them, though. Wait, you don't like traditionally animated movies? No, I don't like the Oscars. Of course no one fucking does. It's the Oscars. Fucking Suicide Squad won an Oscar, man. Seriously? Yeah. Best special effects and makeup. Oh, sorry. Best makeup. Yeah, they were up against Star Trek Beyond. Well, that's not true for either of them for that year. Yeah, let's actually see. They, okay, yeah. I just, I just want to see who the fucking best makeup for 2016 was. Like, like, like the nominees. Alrighty, so. Best makeup and hairstyling. Um, it was Suicide Squad, A Man Called Ove, and Star Trek Beyond. I love it when it's a movie that I haven't heard of since my job is movies and TV, and I actually do pay attention during Dead Man's like. Well, it's Swedish. Like segment on. <laughs> that would be why you haven't heard of it. I haven't heard so of it. So frustrating. And this year it got won by Darkest Hour. The movie where Gary Oldman was in a fat suit. Yeah, Gary Oldman. He thinks all of his best movies are tr- or he thinks all of his best movies are trash. Ooh. Like kind of fuck him. Like he's a phenomenal actor and it's been and has played some great roles in some great movies, but also kind of fuck this guy. Anyway, that was for bashing on the Oscars for now. New movie coming out this week. Uh, for this week, week of August 10th, we have The Meg. The movie about Whoa. Jason Statham versus a giant shark. Whoa. 
I've heard a, a little bit about the story that that was based on, and uh, brilliant job casting Statham as a nerdy white guy. Yeah, he totally fits that. Yeah, he, I, I think of nerd, I picture Jason, Jason Statham. Yep. I was going out this week. Black Klansman. Oh, Lord, that. The new Spike Lee movie. Written by four people. And one of them was Dave Chappelle. Bad. No, it's it, it. Dave Chappelle had a bit in his uh, in his show where he had he like one of the characters was a blind black Klansman. Okay. And all of the other Klansmen were super nice to him because they're like, hey, he's a blind guy. What are we going <laughs> to do? Lynch him? Uh. And like he was married to a white woman who was racist to all black people except for him. And then when he found out he was black, he divorced his wife for marrying, as he put it, a darkie. It was actually a really funny bit. I missed out on the Chappelle show. Yeah, you did. You I wa- did. I watched his new stand-up special, and they were fucking great. Oh, Dave Chappelle is hilarious. He's fantastic. He's a fantastic comedian. And the fact that he, like, fell off and came back and was still just as good. Like one of my uh, favorite bits uh, for him is when he's like doing like like I I still don't know if any of these stories are true, but he's doing stories from like the history of like famous musicians, and um, one of them is Prince. <laughs> and yeah. Like li- li- the bit is like they're at Prince's house and he offers to make them pancakes, and then Prince challenges them to basketball, and. It's skins versus blouses. <laughs> and then Prince owns. <laughs> it's fucking, it's hilarious. It's absolutely, you, you, if you have, uh, to, the, to the people listening, to the to the, like 50 people listening, if you haven't watched Chappelle Show, go watch Chappelle Show. It's yeah. brilliant. It's it's an absolute romp. It's great. I loved it. Whereas, um, ba- whereas Black Klansman uh, seems to be doing very well. I'm not really surprised. And it's supposedly based on true events about a black I'm detective. I'm how tr- true yeah, that is. About a black detective trying to infiltrate the KKK. Yeah. I was going out this week. Slenderman. <laughs> That's the appropriate response. Just fucking Jesus Christ! When you know, I'm gonna be honest. I did. I re, I genuinely didn't even care enough to yawn, but I felt I needed to. I needed to elicit some reaction to the fact that they're making a Slenderman movie, and the only thing I could think of was falling asleep. This is like the... I'll, I'll get. I'll get. I'll give you Slender. The Slender. The Slenderman games are actually somewhat scary. The first time. <laughs> After that, it's kind of YouTubers overreacting. <sighs> there are so many fucking What the fuck happened, man? Like this was a fucking this was a picture on a forum. This was a goddamn Photoshop contest on a forum. 
that led to a fucking franchise and a real murder. Seriously? Well, a real almost murder. Okay. Yeah, uh, in Wisconsin, uh, two 12-year-olds brought their friend out of the woods and stabbed her 19 times. She survived. But, yeah, that happened. Uh, the trial went through and both of them were found not guilty by reason of insanity and then were convicted to long periods in mental health institutes. The world I live in. This is the world I live in. Yeah. And so, just shocking nobody, uh, the audience didn't like it and the critics hated it. The Slenderman I'm, movie that came out. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. Yeah, and then next week, fucking nothing comes out. Let's care about the new Mark Wahlberg crime vehicle. Not really. I'd figured. I mean, does anyone really care about Marky Mark anymore? Yeah, the, f- the Funky Bunch, maybe? Because <laughs> you're like, yo, man, EJ Mark's going to call us back. It is weird how hard Mark Wahlberg's career swings. Like, just looking at some of his fucking movies. Like, the fucking Prisoners, The Fighter, The Other Guys, The Departed, Boogie Nights, Three Kings. And then just a bunch of shit. Oh, God. What was the video game movie that he did? Max Payne. I'm still mad at that. <laughs> it's still a bad movie. Well, no, no, no. Like, if you guys watch the Media Horrors review. Or um, listen to our commentary track available now on DustDoorProds.com. I was fooled. <laughs> I thought, oh, there. this must be deeper than I'm realizing. There must <laughs> be something more to this. And then, literally, like, like, the way Media Horse does it is we record, an, like, an hour and 15, hour, 30-minute long bull session, and then we edit it down. And as we're doing the bull session, I slowly realize how stupid the movie is and that I'm not an idiot for not realizing that there's something deeper, that it's just that dumb. <laughs> And I got so mad. I'm still mad at that movie. It's a really bad fucking movie. I am still angry at that film. <sighs> anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for joining us. May I just get a decent length episode out of this. We'll be back. In two weeks' time with episode of the DestorProds.com with television podcast. In between now and then, though, send your thoughts and prayers out to Rascal, who is currently cutting off his own leg. Yeah, yeah, those Jabberwocks, they're vicious. Yeah. If only I had the Vorpal Blade. I think I think, I think, I think you can get one for free with a can of Fosters. No, no, the reason that none of them have them is because you get it for free with a can of Pabst. Ugh. Yeah. Let's drink that swill. Like... You ever heard of Five Finger Death Punch? The movie? No, the people. The band. No, I haven't. Yeah, they did a song called The Pride. 
that's essentially like a hyper hillbilly American version, like metal version of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Okay. Where like with We Didn't Start the Fire, Billy Joel's just mentioning like historic events that happened around the time where he was alive, but with but then with fucking the pride, it's just them listing off just American hillbilly shit. Okay. Not sure what this has to do with movies or TV, but nothing. I just I wanted to talk to somebody about it, and you were the first person <laughs> to mention Pabst, and PB- <laughs> and PBR is a lyric in this, <coughs> which is really weird because like because like the, the the bridge and the chorus they all I think work really well, and like Ivan L. Moody can fucking sing, scream, do all that fucking metal shit really well, but then you get into the lyrics and. I love the qualifiers for this conversation. <laughs> so anyway, that was movies and TV. Yeah, like fucking, here's the first verse. And we can cut it all out because I don't trust SoundCloud. <laughs> he was dead, man. We'll see you guys next I've time. Been caveman. Hopefully... I might not, I might not have to cut that out because I yeah I think I actually will just not have that, any of that in. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. See you guys next time.